Welcome to The Everyday Creative, a podcast that encourages creation over consumption. I'm Emily, a certified health education specialist. And I'm Evie, a licensed art therapist. And together, we talk about ways everyday people can incorporate creativity into their lives in order to consume less and create more. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to The Everyday Creative. My name is Evie, and as usual, I'm joined by my sister, Emily. Hey, everybody. And today we're diving back into creativity, but this time we're going to talk about creativity within a specific field. And that field is one of our favorite topics, fitness. So creativity in fitness. And Em, you are our resident fitness expert. So I'm going to have you start us off and talk about the nuts and bolts of that. Okay. Well, I think you're using the term expert loosely, but I do have some background in it and um, I do enjoy it as a part of my everyday life. So I think part of the- You also have like certifications and like work experience- and lots of that yeah. in your background. So I think technically that would qualify you as think an that qualifies expert. Me? I think so. I okay. Think so. All right. I'll take okay. it. I'll take All it. Right. So I think one of the goals of this conversation is much like creativity to kind of expand the definition of fitness to to be more inclusive because I think people kind of have a – a very rigid definition of what they consider fitness. I mean, you talk about it as physical activity, working out, exercise, but I think a better way to put this is movement. We just need movement in our life and having movement in your life contributes to creativity. So we're going to talk about it in those con in that context. And then also in the context of ways to be creative about it. So that's kind of the direction that we're headed with this episode, just to kind of give everybody an idea. But I think first we're going to start much like we have in other ways, starting with, you know, what are the standard recommendations for fitness? And it kind of depends on your age group, and your ability levels and and things like that. So we're going to kind of stick to guidelines for adults. So we're not going to get into older adults or kids or anything, but the general recommendation is to move more and sit less throughout the day. This is not shocking. We all, we all have heard this. And then as far as number of minutes, the general goal is 150 minutes a week of moderate intensity. So that's like two and a half hours up to five hours a week of activity. So what does that yeah. make it daily? So daily, you would be looking at 30 minutes to an hour, three to five times a week, kind of in general. And that's moderate intensity. This is going to vary with everybody. And then you can also break it down into vigorous activity and and it cuts that recommendation in half. So vigorous activity is going to be, you know, heavy breathing, you're really sweating, 
conversation is going to be difficult, that would kind of qualify as vigorous intensity. I think a lot of people think of it in terms of running. So moderate intensity, you're looking at maybe walking with purpose or maybe a slow jog for some people if they have a a better fitness level, whereas your vigorous activity is going to be you're running, you're sprinting, that kind of thing. And then substitute running for any other activity. Whatever it is that you're doing. Right. Um, And then that should be accompanied with strength training. So anything that you're using your muscles for, this could be body weight stuff. This could be, you know, with actual dumbbells or any sort of equipment to help strengthen your muscles. So you're doing this a couple of times a, a week. So those are the general guidelines. But I think that there is a lot of flexibility within those guidelines. Because like I stated before, people kind of have this, when they think about exercise, they think about running. You know, Mm -hmm. I I think that is probably the most common thing. Or when they think about exercise, they think about going to the gym. Right. And, you know, what are the the machines? like? Right, right, right. The treadmill, the the stepper, things the like elliptical. that. The elliptical, yeah. Mm-hmm. And all that fits within the, the definition of fitness. But, you know, newsflash, not everyone enjoys doing that. And I would yes. say most people don't. Yeah. And yeah. that really is why we're having this conversation, because this is where creativity comes in. Mm-hmm. And that creativity is about divergent thinking and expanding our ideas about what something is. So in those terms, we're looking at expanding the definition of fitness and exercise. Like you don't have to do X, Y, and Z in order for that to be exercise. There's a lot of different things you can do. And it could even be daily physical activity of just what we do in the day. Things like cleaning, walking, Mm -hmm. standing, sitting. And all of those things we don't necessarily not not think. necessarily sitting, but standing up from sitting. Right, right. Maybe. So the the movement of right. of that between standing and sitting exactly. So part of creativity is about your mindset, about mm-hmm. what exercise and fitness is. So changing your mindset around those everyday activities and thinking of every movement that you do as movement and exercise. Yeah. I read about an an interesting study that was done with hotel cleaning staff. So they took, they kind of divided the group in half and half of them were told that the regular activities, the cleaning activities that they did, the dusting, the wiping, the changing the bed sheets, the vacuuming, things like that, they were shown how all these correlate and resemble exercise, like your standard exercise activities, squatting, pressing, things like that. They were shown how those actually are exercise. The other group, they didn't explain any of this. So between the two groups at the end of the study, the ones that were taught to change their mindset around their daily activities, they actually lost weight. Hmm. 
and there are there's a a lot of things that go into this because usually when you start changing one thing, you change other things. So it could be that this the first group that had the extra education was actually eating differently and being mindful of other things in their life that would cause weight loss. Mm-hmm. But even then, like just changing their mindset allowed them to lose weight, whereas mm-hmm. the other group, there was no change. So I think all of us can be mindful of those sorts of things. When you pick your kid up, you know, that that replicates movements that you would do in the gym. And when you carry groceries inside, mm-hmm. you know. And ultimately, the reason people exercise is because they want to be able to move and they want to be able to do things. I mean, of course, there's be better other, yeah, other reasons mixed within that. But ultimately, we want to be able to live life to the fullest. And I think that's even more true as you get older. Yes. To kind of give some framework of the conversation, we're going to talk about the when, where, and how of fitness and how to be more creative about that. And then we'll kind of give examples in our own life. And So question here, we've kind of been using the terms fitness and exercise interchangeably, but how would you define those and what is the difference between fitness and exercise? I don't know if I necessarily see a difference. I know when I talk about exercising, I say I'm going to go work out. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to go work out. I think maybe the difference comes into like maybe what your goals are. When I think of working out, there's more of a plan, like a long, like even a weekly plan, monthly plan. Maybe you cycle through different like six, eight, 10 week programs. That to me is working out. Exercise is when you go to the gym and you spend 45 minutes on the elliptical. And, and an exercise could be described as like one specific movement or one specific thing. Like running yeah. on a treadmill would be an exercise. Squats would be mm-hmm. an exercise. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I would add when I think about fitness is fitness can be considered more holistic. Like it's not necessarily just movement. It's mind, body, and spirit could be fitness. Like your overall fitness. fitness. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. it's a more expanded term, whereas exercise would be more specific to movement. Right. It would be a modality. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's good to clear that up. Mm Mm-hmm. So first, let's talk about the when of exercise. This is going to depend on the person and their individual schedule. There are studies that advocate for engaging in exercise at particular times of the day for different reasons. Um, when you look at strength training there are there's some research that backs up it's best to do strength training in the afternoon like maybe before dinner that type of thing when it comes to behaviorally and getting it in your day there are studies that show doing it first thing 
in the morning is best. You'll be more consistent. Mm-hmm. But with all that being said, it is going to be what works best for your schedule. Right. And I also think it's important to maybe think outside of those standard times too. Such as? I like the concept of what's called micro workouts. These are short bursts of energy, three to five minutes that you put sporadically in your day. I think ideally this is going to be best for someone that works out or or someone that works from home because, I mean, there's the embarrassing, embarrassing I mean, if you don't mind looking like a weirdo, it's okay for you to (laughs) lunge to the bathroom. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. Depends or on keep where you're at. at your desk. Yeah. yeah. Or sit on a yoga ball. Right. Right. So, I mean, if you're in an environment where things like that are socially acceptable or you don't mind being the weirdo that just busts out some squats at 945, then go be that person. Absolutely. I know there was this one time I was doing a kettlebell challenge. You had to get 10,000 kettlebell swings in between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Okay. Okay. Well, that seems doable. I was like, in a week? In a day? No, no, no. Like, that's a lot in a day. (laughs) But even even then, you had to, like, I think mathematically it worked out to doing a couple of hundred in a day. That is a lot. So, I mean, that is is a lot. So, I kind of had it broken down by hour. And fortunately, I worked at a place where it wasn't, I mean, it was weird that I brought a kettlebell to work. Mm -hmm. But I I also had this identity of somebody that was into fitness. So when I brought a kettlebell to work, it was like, okay, that that seems about right. (laughs) Yeah. Of course, she has a kettlebell Uh underneath her desk. That And and luckily, yeah, I I was, uh, most of my shifts were at night. So there were just fewer people Mm -hmm. that I was making a spectacle of myself. Yeah. So it wasn't quite as weird for me, but it was still, it took, it took a little bit, but I was like, no, I'm going to do this. So every hour or two, I would knock out 30 kettlebell swings. It takes maybe a minute and then I'm, I move on, you know? Right. But yeah. And, and I mean, for somebody else, it could be, let me just see how many squats I can do in a minute or two. Yeah. You know, let me just do 10 push ups at the top of every hour. Yes. And it could be even something as simple as stand up and sit back down in your chair 10 or 20 mm-hmm. times. So mm-hmm. doing something like this, especially for people that are just starting out and trying to get the practice down, mm-hmm. this seems more manageable because it's not like, oh, okay, I've got to go to the gym and I've got to be there for half an hour to to an hour and do all of these uh-huh. things, it breaks it down to a manageable chunk. So even if you really don't want to, it's going to take you a minute or two. Yeah. And they say, anytime you start a practice, start off so small that yeah. it's not going to take much time or energy to get started. And that can build some momentum. Right. There are some people that they'll get those pull-up bars that you can hang in the doorway Mm-hmm. We actually have one of those. Yeah, their rule was every time we walked in or out of the room, you had to do a pull-up. Hmm. Kind of like walking under the mistletoe, only it's just a little more a little more strenuous. Yeah. I mean, not everybody can do a pull-up, but 
you could like jump up and try to get up as mm-hmm. high as you can. Or you could even just you know? do dead hangs. Just hold on to the pull-up bar and just hang there mm-hmm. for as long yeah. as you can. Okay. So yeah, lots of things with the micro workout. And I think it's important to not be too confined with okay. your definition of yeah. what you consider a workout. Right. Work within your abilities. Right. So that expands yeah. our definition of, of exercise a little bit. One one final thing I would say about the when is it doesn't really matter when, whatever Mm-mm. time you work out. But like we've talked about in terms of habits, it can really help to schedule it in. So whatever time you decide is best for you, put that on your schedule and on your calendar. So that is the time that you're going to do yeah. this, whatever it is you decide you're doing. And I think we'll talk about more of that when it comes to the how, like okay. the accountability piece of it. Gotcha. So, but yeah, scheduling, I think, helps. Another time that might work for some would be their lunchtime. I think anymore that's more and more difficult for people to do because there are so few people that are getting an hour mm-hmm. to to use for lunch because, you know – a lot of people might need to shower, although you can pretty be pretty creative about how you're going to clean up after a shower or clean up mm-hmm. after a workout. You can um, add in the creativity piece there, you know, splash, right, splash right. some water under your pits, put your hair yeah. up. That, that is an option. And I think if you have a more liberal definition of what fitness is, then the lunchtime workout can work for you, even if it's just walking around the building. Yeah, I used to do that too. Yeah. During Mm -hmm, lunch, I didn't, there wasn't enough time to leave, but there was a a sidewalk. I could walk around the building on my lunch break. Keep keep some comfortable shoes with you Mm -hmm. and do it that way. So the where, we talked about, you know, how most people think of like, I'm going to go work out. I'm going to go exercise about like, oh, I'll go to the gym, but that can be a big block a big source of friction for people Mm -hmm. yeah because it's intimidating to go to the gym like you and I have talked about this before like we're pretty seasoned fitness people but anytime I go to a gym especially my first few times I'm super self-conscious super Mm self-conscious so yeah I can definitely see that being a barrier for people yeah and then also do you have a gym near where you are? Because if it's too far away, you're not going to go. Mm-hmm. And then do you have money? Some gyms are really expensive to go to. Right. So I don't think the gym is always an option for everybody. And it's probably not even what a lot of people think of as a first option. So what are some of the the first options that you would, that come to mind? So I think a lot of people choose to work out at home. And I mean, for the last couple of years a lot of us had to because gyms, gyms were, were closed. closed yeah that's right I yeah that. so I, I think the the at-home workout for a lot of people was was the go-to mm-hmm. and I I think what helps is having a dedicated space in your home like this is where I'm going to work out mm-hmm. I think that helps not that it only has to be for that but like a bedroom is your dedicated space for sleep, then maybe 
this one spot in your living room will be the dedicated place where you work out. Mm-hmm. And I think that helps with mindset too. Yes. Having a dedicated place. I agree. And then something something to make working out at home a little more exciting because that to me, it's it's hard for me to work out at home and get motivated to do that. But there's tons of videos online if it helps to like watch something or follow someone else's routine, whatever it is that you want to do, yoga, dance, you can throw on a YouTube video and follow along. Yeah, I think that helps with doing things correctly as well. Yeah. Especially when you get into those, you know, functional type movements, you want to make sure your body is moving in the way that it's intended to move. Mm -hmm. A lot of people like looking at uh, beaches and parks, any sort of free public spaces. I would imagine most towns have some sort of park area. Right. And it seems to be more and more popular for parks to have those fitness stations. Like there's pull-up bars or there's machine body weight type things. Yeah. That you can do like pulling and pushing movements Mm -hmm. or it like tells you like this is where you do push-ups kind of thing. Like it has a little placard sort of deal that says push-ups or step-ups or whatever it is. So there's a lot of parks that have that. But even if they don't, just like regular kid jungle gym equipment works as well. Mm -hmm. You know, because you can do climbing and I think pull-ups are going to be easier to do like on a jungle gym type thing. Yeah. Or even trees. Like just go climb a tree. Yeah. So yeah, can you think of any any other place where that would be sort Um, of a fitness high school track? Oh yeah. Some of some are open to the public, so that would be good for running. Use the bleachers to do some stairs. Like any other place where you've maybe done some impromptu fitness? Outside of beaches and parks, those are the main things I do these days. Yeah. I mean, even on, like, if you, if you have a neighborhood with sidewalks, mm-hmm. using that space, like, maybe if you're, if you live in an apartment and there's not a whole lot of space, there might be, like, a community area, like, an open area you can mm-hmm. use. And once again, you need, you need to be okay with other people seeing you. Mm-hmm. Maybe you'll get some joiners that way. Oh, yeah. Do, like, a community thing. I think that takes care of the when and the where so we can move on to the how and what this conversation is going to center around is how to make it a habit because you don't want it to be just a a one-off needs to be a part of everyday life and I'm certainly not speaking of this in context of weight loss because exercise actually has shown not to help with weight loss Hmm. So I think this is going to be more in context of creativity because movement and action generates creativity. So talking about how to make it a habit, I think the first thing you need to kind of figure out is a way to reduce friction. So what is standing in your way of not engaging in daily movement. 
Mm-hmm. Breaking down those barriers of things mm-hmm. that stop you. Like whenever you think about going to exercise, what is your excuse? Like, yeah. oh, I don't have time or oh, I don't want to or I don't know what yeah. I'm doing. I think a big one is, you know, I don't I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Or maybe maybe a big one is that you just don't enjoy it. Yeah, I think that is a huge one, because, again, that goes back to our idea of what exercise is. And for so many people, mm-hmm. it's a check in the box. And it's like, OK, well, let me go get this out of the way. So it's that mm-hmm. it's not fun. It's not enjoyable. Yeah. Or maybe a lot of people don't think that they're going to enjoy it. Because I know that stood in the way of weightlifting for me. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not going to like this. It's just a bunch of sweaty, gross boys. I'm not going to enjoy it. I never saw myself as a really sporty person anyway. Exercise mm-hmm. for a long time was just something that I did because I felt like I had to do it. But once I found people that I could work out with, because I've always had like workout partners when I really got into weightlifting, I had workout partners and that helped. But then it wasn't until we got into CrossFit mm-hmm. and I started to see, once I started to see improvements was when I really was like, yeah, I, I'm actually stronger now. So that's when I, weightlifting became my primary fitness mm-hmm. endeavor. But that could be with anything. Like if you like to dance, go dance. Yeah. So reducing friction on this one is like figuring out what you actually like. Yeah. What is because you're not going to. Yeah. You're not going to do it if you don't like it Mm -hmm. or it's always going to be drudgery. You're always going to find something else to do. Yeah. So, So, yeah, I think that's step number one. One of the tips is to think about what you like to do as a kid and what you found to be fun. Like asking yourself Mm -hmm. that question, like, what did you actually enjoy? What gets you moving? So maybe that's riding a bike or running with a partner, like you said, having someone that will do it with you. So I think a big motivator is the socialization piece of exercise. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a big thing for us that really made it enjoyable is to find someone to hang out with. Right, right. While you do something productive and healthy. Or maybe you really enjoyed sports when you were a kid. You were a part of a sports team. So finding like a local softball or kickball league or something like that. So then you have the social piece mm-hmm. and you're also outside yeah. and being active. Yeah. Maybe like being outside in nature. So you start hiking. Mm-hmm. And I think for for parents, a lot of the times we think of the children going out and going to play. And so often parents and adults don't join them in playing. So many times I see those those play areas and it's nothing but the kids playing and the parents are all sitting down on the sidelines and just watching. Yeah. Or not watching and just looking at their phone. (laughs) So I think doing things with your kids because kids love to move and they love it when their parents Mm -hmm. will move with them. So you mentioned the nature piece, just going out hiking with your child or something else that you can Mm -hmm. do with your kids. Like if you go 
to the park, maybe playing with them kickball or whatever sports is going on and joining mm-hmm. in. I once heard about a woman that played follow the leader with her kid, but instead of her being the leader, it was the kid that was the leader. Mm-hmm. Not that the, the kid was like not even two. So it's the kid so didn't it was know. Picking its boogers and I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so then the mom would have to do it. Yeah. No, but like if the kids squatted down and picked mm-hmm. up something off the ground, the mom would squat down. Mm-hmm. And kids naturally have excellent squat form. Oh, yes, they do. So, yeah, as like you don't need to pull up a YouTube video, just look at how your two year old squats down to pick something up try to get in that same position. Hmm. So how else to reduce friction? So yeah, the not knowing what to do, there are all sorts of avenues to figure out what to do. Like once you find out what you like, then research how to do that thing. YouTube. YouTube, We've already mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely going to be the cheapest. Mm -hmm. But I think that if you can swing it, taking classes. Yeah. Whether it's at a big box gym and it's part of the membership or you are going to a boutique fitness place, mm-hmm. yoga, CrossFit, a spinning studio, anything where you have to pay for it, you have skin in the game at that point. So you feel like you're losing if you're not going. Right. Plus, a lot of these places have the added benefit if you sign up for a class and you don't show up, they charge you. Is that a benefit? <laughs> Yes, because then you'll go. Yeah. Because you don't want to lose. Yeah. That is a motivator. Yeah. So, I I mean, a benefit. (laughs) Like a a backwards benefit, but yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. And really, Mm -hmm. a lot of people, when you first start off something, you kind of need that external motivation until you actually get into the habit. And then just going is enough motivation. And how you feel afterwards keeps you motivated. That definitely is something that I still have to think about. I don't always want to go to the gym, Mm -hmm. you know, but I know at this point, you know, you've been doing it long enough that I know that I'm going to feel better afterwards and I'm going to be happy that I went. Mm -hmm. Another thing that trips people up is they think they don't have the right equipment, Hmm. but I don't think that this matters as much as people use it as an excuse for. Hmm. So, I mean, you can buy, you can buy all the equipment, but if you don't use it, then it doesn't really matter. I don't, I don't think that having the right equipment I certainly, should be a barrier. Yeah. I certainly don't think that's where anyone needs to start anyway. Like if you're just right. starting a routine, then you want to start with what you have and then build mm-hmm. on that. And first starting out, I mean, you need to be doing body weight movement anyway. Yeah, for sure. And kind of along the same lines as not having the right equipment, they don't think they have the right clothes or they mm-hmm. don't have the right shoes. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to, while I think clothes and shoes can add to the experience and they will make it better, but that shouldn't be, once again, like you said, that shouldn't be where you start. Right. You can go for a walk in your jeans. Mm-hmm. And there are some people that maybe they don't like the feel of spandex and you know, like the stretchy material and and all that. And I think that that's fine. Yeah. You can, you can wear whatever, wear, wear your sleep, wear the shorts that you sleep in and a t-shirt. That's Mm -hmm. fine. Mm -hmm. 
One thing that helps with fitness and getting movement is when you combine it with something. So this is referred to a lot as temptation bundling, where you take something you do like doing, say watching TV, reading magazines, listening to podcasts or audiobooks, and you combine that with something that you don't like doing, like exercise or cleaning the toilet. It works for this too. But um, suppose if we're counting cleaning as exercise. I do. I count it. Yeah. I do count it. But combining those two things together to get you motivated to do the activity. So you see this in a lot of contexts. One of them, actually, there is somebody that is friends with Eric's family. He lost a ton of weight by combining video game playing with being on the elliptical. He would only let himself play video games when he was on the elliptical. And he played a lot of video games Hmm. and he lost a ton of weight. Wow. Some of the secret to that is like the exclusionary principle where the only time you can play video games or if there's a really good audiobook that you want to listen to, the only time that you do that is while you're doing the activity. So I think that is helpful. Yeah. If you treat it that way. And then combining it, we've already kind of chatted about this, but combining it with social components. So you're meeting a friend to go for a run. I think this really helps when it's early in the morning. Hmm. Yes. You know, like you, you're not going to cancel on your friend that's already waking up at like yes. 5 or 5.30 in the morning to meet you. You're not going to cancel on them then. Yeah. The only time I've worked out in the morning is when it was social. Like with you, mm-hmm. I knew you were getting up early and you were going to bang on my door or yell at me and tell me that it's time mm-hmm. to go to the gym. The other time I've yeah. done something like that is mom used to go walking um, mm-hmm. first thing in the morning. And I lived with her for a few months there for a time. And uh, yeah. she would get up super early and I would go and run when she would go and walk. But that's the only time yeah. I've been able to get up early in the morning Yeah, for exercise. I think that... The downfall of this is you have to have somebody like your partner needs to be at a similar commitment level. I I feel like I've always been the overly committed one. Yeah. So like if I said I was going to be there, I am going to be there. Yeah. And whether you're going to be there or not, I'm still going to work out because then it would be easy to use that as an excuse. Oh, such and so didn't show up. I'm Mm -hmm. going home. Yeah. Well, if someone was at the same commitment level as me, neither of us would show up. So for me, I feel like there someone else needs to be more committed. And I know yeah. I'm going to be the one with FOMO later because I didn't show yeah. up or just feel guilty for not showing up. Yeah. That's one reason why I think a class setting works because they're still going to have class right. at 6 a.m. No one's you're counting on you. So- really that, that accountability piece with just one other person, that causes me a little bit of anxiety. And it makes it uncomfortable because I feel like pressured. But that's what you want. I know. You want the pressure. But it's super uncomfortable. (laughs) And that's fine. Change is uncomfortable. Uh, Yeah, you're right. 
You're right. Because one thing that I found, because I had a little group that I ran with when we lived in New York, and mostly it was just me and this one other woman. But I feel like anytime, because there would be other, like a third woman that would kind of rotate through. And what would happen is if you, and this, I feel like this would only happen to me, but I would show up to our meeting spot and the other two would not be there because they thought they could count on the other person to be there. So it's like, I would just show up. So I think Mm. that's the problem when you have maybe a small group, but it's not like an established class or an established running group or something. Like you think the other person is going to be there and then everybody ends up canceling. Mm -hmm. Except for like one one lone person and I didn't bring my headphones. Oh man, that's the worst. It was a bad day. Yeah. Once that happened to me once, I started bringing my headphones. Yeah. In case. I'm sure. Okay. So we've got a couple of options there. Yeah. I think that covers our when, where, and how. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, we need to maybe revisit the starting small thing and what okay. would be considered starting small. Because I think when people think that they're starting small, it's still not small enough. Mm-hmm. So some examples that are used in some of the, the behavior change books that I've read is maybe you just put your shoes on. Maybe you get in the habit of doing that, mm-hmm. you know, figuring out a time that works for you, the activity that you want to do, and then you just change your clothes, Yeah, you know, and once you get in the habit of that, maybe you just walk to the mailbox. If you decide you're going to do more than that, great, go do more than that. Mm-hmm. But for you to get a check mark in the box, all you have to do is put your shoes on. Mm-hmm. What comes to mind for me is like, I'm more of an evening exerciser because I go to work so early as it is and I'm not a morning person. So mm-hmm. for me, in starting that habit, coming home from work and changing, and instead of putting comfy clothes on, I would put exercise clothes on and put my shoes on. So then I'm already ready to go. Yeah. And then in building the habit, just doing one push up. Or if today I'm going to do squats, doing five squats. Just keeping it very simple in terms of movement. Sometimes what I do along the same lines, if I am just not really in the mindset and I can't decide. Because sometimes you're sore and you're tired and and maybe you shouldn't work out at all. But what I always start to do is I'll start my warm up. Mm -hmm. I'll start just moving my body. And most of the time, yeah, I'll go ahead and and get warmed up and do a workout. Yeah. Sometimes it's just getting the momentum and starting Mm -hmm. rather than just going in with the idea of, okay, I'm going to do a 30 minute workout Mm -hmm. and then just not starting. So I think that's a really good bit of advice. Yeah. So if you think you're starting small, cut it in half and start smaller. Yeah. There's one other bit that I would like to mention. Just to bring it back to mindset, I think one of the biggest barriers for people is considering exercise and fitness to be something separate from themselves. And really the biggest hangup is that you don't identify as a fit or a healthy person. Yes. Yes. Good point. So I think a good way to start is what you tell yourself about fitness and exercise. And rather than thinking of it as a check in the box, 
reminding yourself that, you know, health is important to me. Exercise, Mm -hmm. movement is important. And it's important because I'm a healthy person. So just beginning that narrative about how you identify yourself, because really when it comes to making long-term changes, it comes down to identity. And if you don't identify Mm -hmm. with something, you're not going to continue it. And you need to start that self-talk before you feel healthy. Mm -hmm. Like say, I am a healthy person. What would a healthy person do? Right. In this situation or when faced with this decision. Yeah. Well, a healthy person would take the stairs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I think that is a huge piece of this. Do you think someone should write this down? Like, write? Do you think writing down things like that would help? Yeah. I think um, in order to begin a narrative, I mean, that's just another way of solidifying that by writing something mm-hmm. down, I think it it's just another way for you to store that information. And sometimes we tell ourselves that it's not fun or you don't want to do it. Whenever we think about exercise, if you're not a healthy person and fitness is not something that you prioritize or identify with, it's something that you have to do. But mm-hmm. for a healthy person and someone who identifies as fit and exercise is important. It's something that you get to do and you're able to do it because you are an able-bodied person. So seeing it more as a privilege rather than an obligation or a requirement is one Mm -hmm. great way to shift your mindset around that. Yeah. I want to caveat the able-bodied person thing because I think that can be triggering to some people because I think 99% of people, regardless of how able your body is, Mm -hmm. there is some movement that you can do. I mean, you see, like, we've seen adaptive athletes in CrossFit, like, do amazing things that I can't do as a, you know, quote, unquote, able-bodied person. Right. So I, I think that's a piece where mindset is in play mm-hmm. too. So even if there are physical challenges or disabilities, you're still able. There right, are things right. that you can do. And anything that you're able to do is a privilege. It exactly. is an opportunity. Yeah. Thanks yeah, for that. I think that's qualifier there. Just some clarification. Yes. Some clarification on yes. what I know you meant by able-bodied. Right. So separating your fitness from a specific goal. I know a lot of people do have goals when it comes to fitness. Like I want to run a marathon or I want to squat 200 pounds or things like that. And the problem with some of those things is once you reach that goal, once you run that half marathon, you're done running. Mm. But I think when you get to the point of enjoying the activity for what it is, I think Mm -hmm. that is important to realize too. So not, so not engaging in movement and activity for weight loss. Yes. You know, not not where it's like the activity itself isn't the end point. It, it's more of like the journey, which I yeah. hate kind of that <laughs> phrase or whatever. Yeah. But, um, but where the enjoyment is intrinsic rather than trying to achieve an extrinsic, out, extrinsic outcome. Yeah. So, yeah. 
So that brings us to our four cues. And our question for today is, what is your history with movement and exercise? You want to start us off with that? Yeah, I think for both of us that this could be a pretty long discussion, yes. but to keep it short, you know, I'll try to sum it up in, in chunks of years or maybe divide it by decades or something. When I was growing up, I hated it. I was opposed to sweating. I didn't want to do any of that. I could just naturally tell I was not an athletic person. I was always on the B team. <laughs> I didn't do any sort of things like that in high school. My physical activity was marching band, which to be fair, there's probably quite a bit of physical ability that comes to that. At that point, I was playing an instrument that was same size as me and we were in wool uniforms in, in this, Texas, in, in Texas, in the fall, which is like summertime everywhere else. Yes. So yeah, that, that was my kind of start into physical activity. So I was very no on physical activity and I didn't really start until after I got out. Maybe I was like the tail end of college. The restaurant that I worked at actually got us free memberships to the gym and there was a cute boy that went to the gym and I was like, yeah, I'll go oh to the gosh. gym. I think that's how a lot of women start, honestly, like, yeah. unless they're like naturally athletic and, you know, but that that's where all the boys hang out. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> so yeah, no, I'm totally going to go to the gym. So I did that. I was not good at that. I had no idea what I was doing. So I ended up running on the treadmill with my discman, you know, the little portable oh, yeah, CD, like players. The CD player. Oh man, yeah. that takes so us back. Yeah, so that that was my start. And then I didn't get involved in weightlifting until several years later. I was out of college and I happened to work for a company that owned a gym. There was some reorganization of the company and so I ended up working at the gym. I was already doing um like I I went to the gym, but I didn't know what I was doing. Like I used the machines and that was pretty much exclusively what I did, but they provided me with opportunities to actually learn how to work out. They paid for me to take spinning classes, personal training classes. And so I did all that and I became a group fitness instructor. And so I almost learned how to work out through teaching others. That's a great and way that's to learn. Yeah. And that's when I got my first workout partner. She knew what she was doing. She was really strong and, and knew what she was doing. So that was very helpful is just to be with somebody that was kind of already in it. And so that kind of started my progression and my love of it. And I realized I was getting stronger, which was great. And just kind of went from there. The workouts got more progressive. And then shortly after that, that's when I moved to Virginia Beach with you. And I can't remember if, if I was going to some other gym. Oh, yeah. No, I, I was already a member of another gym and working as an instructor and a personal trainer. And that's when we started CrossFit. And that's been 10 years ago now, probably about 10 years ago. 
Yeah, something like And that. that's when I really, I, I could say that I loved it. I loved going to CrossFit. That's where I met my husband. Like it's always, it's always going to have, you know, even if I'm not doing exclusively CrossFit anymore, it's always going to have a, you know, like a special, special place in my heart, I guess, because it's attached to so many other feelings and not just fitness. But that's when I really started getting into weightlifting and, and really got stronger. So, and that's, we're actually a part of a CrossFit gym right now. And we'll do that for the next little bit. I don't know if we'll always be a member of the gym while we're here, but, but yeah. And we, we've got all the equipment at home, which was a saving grace during COVID. So it, it's not like I woke up one day and started lifting weights six days a week or working out six days a week. Like this has been a two decade progression. So yeah, that's kind of my, it's kind of my history. What about you? That is a journey. So our histories align quite a bit, but they didn't start out that way because when I first started, I, I did consider myself to be athletic, but in high school, I didn't necessarily, I wasn't really super motivated by fitness. I did get into athletics and play some sports, but not because I loved it, but just because I really didn't know what else to do. I tried the band thing and it wasn't for me. So yeah. volleyball, softball. softball. Yeah, I played softball yeah. for a few years. And through that program, we did some weightlifting, but again, wasn't in love with it. Didn't really spend a lot of time with that. And then after high school, I didn't continue exercise really to any mm-hmm. grand scale for several years. And then... It really wasn't until we moved, I was like 19 and we moved to Kansas mm-hmm. and you had started running by that point. And I did yeah. not love running, but yeah. I would go with you. I would do the mm-hmm. running. And that was kind of the start of the fitness journey, I would say. We like joined a gym mm-hmm. and we would do the, the machines at the gym and there were some classes that I got into and that's when I started yoga and I really did enjoy yoga classes. I did that mm-hmm. on and off for years and years, but it progressed from there. And especially whenever you moved in, when we lived in Virginia, we really started, those were my cardio years, I call them, because we were yeah, training yeah. for half marathons. We were running all the time. That's right. We did a ton of half marathons there. Yeah, like three or four and Tough Mudders and Spartans. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, but I never loved it. Like, it was not fun. I didn't (laughs) ever want to go. And like the best time I would say of running was when we would trail run. But even then, not fun at all. So, I mean, I would say I I was fit. But it really wasn't until we started CrossFit that, again, loved fitness. And that's really yeah. when it kind of hit home. Like, this is something that I identify with. And yeah. at that point, I realized that fitness can be fun. And yeah. it really, like, I did not want to run anymore. We did short, so we do cardio in, in CrossFit, but it's short spurts. And it's usually not 
ever more than a mile of running. And then at that point, I just decided long distance running wasn't necessary. No, I, I definitely don't think it is. And like, I feel like cardio in CrossFit is you're just lifting weights faster. Yeah. That's yeah. your cardio. Right. Yeah. And add in some burpees. Oh. But definitely love CrossFit. That's something that has stuck with me through the years. Since then, yeah. I've gotten back into beach volleyball. I don't live that close to a place that has that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I could probably find it. I'm not that far from a beach, but um, that's also a social thing as well. And at this moment, I'm not at a CrossFit gym. I am going to go back. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that I've done in fitness outside of CrossFit would be acro yoga. So that's combining yoga with partner acrobatics, which is a beautiful sport. Absolutely love it. And it's something that I, I'm not doing right now because again, I'm kind of far from where they offer it, but Mm -hmm. it's certainly something that I want to continue. That has been my fitness journey. That's a good journey. We'll have to see what the next steps are. Yeah. I want to take trapeze classes. Ooh. Circus arts. Doing it. You'll have to come down to Florida. They have a uh, a circus museum in Sarasota. So the quest is to add movement to your daily routine. And this could be anything. I feel like this is more for the listeners than for us. I feel like we're pretty good about pretty routine regimented exercise Mm -hmm. but I think there's always an opportunity to add movement for sure I am actually going back to the CrossFit gym beginning next week so I'm going to be adding a lot more movement excellent because I think it's important to have movement throughout the day rather than for Mm -hmm. one hour a day right working in it anywhere okay that brings us to our quality creativity do you have something for us today Em? I do and it's shockingly CrossFit related. So one of the movements, one of the exercises that we do in CrossFit is a box jump. And that is exactly what it sounds. You're on the ground, you jump to the top of a box. This is very intimidating for anybody, I think. And I think especially when you're starting out, because you're afraid you're going to fall, you're going to afraid you're going to hurt yourself. So I think finding ways to make that easier is helpful. Every once in a while we'll do, we'll try to go for a max height box jump. So the boxes are, they can go to three separate heights because of the way the box is measured out. But for me, it, because I have a very wide stance when I land, it works best for me on the, um, like the lowest setting, which is also the widest setting at the top. Mm -hmm. So when you're going for these box jumps, what people will do will add the uh, bumper plates. And a bumper plate is the weight that goes on the end of a barbell. It's usually made out of rubber. Depending on how heavy it is, is how tall it is. Or wide the plate is. Yeah. So you put... Most people will just put one plate on top of the box to give themselves an extra couple of inches. But the problem with that is it's only so wide. So unless you have a narrow landing stance, you can, it's, 
like you'll jump, but then your legs will spread out mm-hmm. to go around the plate rather yeah. than on top. And of the you plate. could really hurt yourself doing that because if you land on the side of the plate, you could roll your ankle yeah. all off the box. That's not pretty. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not. Well, what I saw this one woman do was put two plates on top of the box at, at the at the lowest setting, so the widest. So two plates will fit on top. Hmm. And so then when you land, you're kind of squarely in the middle of those two plates. So it gives you a for, uh, like a more stabilized feel when you land. So mm-hmm. it actually allows you to go up higher than you would be able to if you just kept stacking like one plate at a time. Right. Okay. I actually hadn't seen that before. I know. I feel like as many CrossFit gyms as I've been to, I should have seen this by now, but I saw one woman do it and I'm like, you're a freaking genius. So I've actually, I've been able to like PR or personal record my max height box jump when I Hmm. never have before. That's funny. So yeah. Something so simple. Yeah. So creative. It's so simple. So simple. But yeah, it's huge, huge problem solved. Yeah. All right. And why don't you take us out with the quote? All right. Our quote for today is from Lee Haney. Exercise to stimulate, not annihilate. The world wasn't formed in a day, and neither were we. Thanks for listening, everybody, and have a creative week.